Hey, unfuckers, and welcome into show notes. Nothing to see here. Nothing really going on in the country. No big news. So this should be pretty quick, I guess. Couple of notes. First of all, our friends. I think we can call them our friends now, right? Yeah, I mean, the whole episode is called Phone a Friend. That's true. So by nature, they are our friends. Our friends over at the American Prestige podcast, Danny and Derek, took the liberty of dropping our interview on their feed. So there is a chance that you are brand new to this show, working your way perhaps through the archive, saw that this show dropped and you're like, hey, the fuck is this all about? So if you're new here, 99 and I, 99 is my co-host, producer, friend, and colleague in the real world. She and I hang out every week, talk through some shit. We go through listener comments and feedback. We go through emails and contact forms on our website, unftr.com. We talk about all the people that supported us through memberships at buymeacoffee.com slash unftr. All the people that bought native roasted coffee from us, which is one of the funding mechanisms for this show in partnership with the Puspatuck Reservation, native coffee traders. We produce our own coffee called Unfuck Your Morning, Unfuck Your Afternoon, Mellow Maynard, named for John Maynard Keynes, and a decaffeinated on fucking all sorts of blends of incredible coffee that we sell at unftr.com to help fund this show. We're ad-free, not by choice, just because nobody would ever sponsor us. We just kind of hang out on these drops because we used to do this at the end of our regular shows, our full unfuckings, as we call them, but it got out of control. So we had to do it separately. So here we are. If you're new, welcome to Unfucking the Republic. Welcome to the show. If you are a serial unfucker, welcome to you also. We have some big stuff to go through at the end because, as 99 just alluded to, right before we opened up the mics, I was able to garner a little bit of support from ketchup fuckers all throughout the world. And she's smiling right now because she knows, I told you, I told you, that we were the silent catch-up majority, and, and they're coming through. So we'll get to that, too. But first of all, I think we should at least address what's going on in the world. <sighs> so the Supreme Court's been busy. I'm not going to tell you anything that you don't already know about this ridiculous decision. And it is ridiculous because it is judicial activism. It is a radical decision unmaking its own decision, which in and of itself is somewhat historic. And we have gone backwards, but we have only just begun to go even further backwards. I think the fear here for all of us is that them undoing a precedent like this will lead them to undo more precedents. And there are some who are advocating for Biden to pack the court. I don't see that happening. And just to carry that logic through for a second, packing the court and bringing it up to the proposal is 13 justices is not new. It's It's been done. I mean, we didn't start with nine justices. But, you know, it's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So the same arguments hold with the filibuster, the same arguments hold with, I guess, overruling the parliamentarian that... 
anytime that there is a break in norm, you create a new norm for the other side as well. The problem that we're facing in not stacking the court, obviously, is that we have a generational composition on this court that is going to carry us for many, many, many years to come. And we could go with all of the bland, pithy elections have consequences and doesn't make that untrue. We could talk about how the Democrats have failed to institutionalize certain measures like getting rid of the filibuster when they have a trifecta of control over the executive branch in both houses and codifying certain rules into a constitutional amendment or just codifying it into law. We, we could attack all of those things. But this is the reality that we're sitting in right now. And the fear, of course, is that many more dominoes will fall. I don't know what to tell you. It's a scary time. It is a tragic time. And it's something that uh, I really have nothing to offer other than just this is why we fight. This is why we do what we do here. So, 99, I don't know if you have any thoughts to add to this before we go into uh, show notes today. Nothing that people smarter than me haven't already said. Just, it fucking sucks. <laughs> In so many words. When you wrote Domino's here, I thought that they did something to Domino's, the pizza. Oh, yeah. And I said, what? I mean, what's next? Yeah, they're taking away our cheesy bread. That I can't. I had eat. Domino's this week. Do you know that? I love Domino's, but pre-vegan, obviously. I right. have a soft spot. I know we're from New York, but it's not pizza. It's it's a different genre of food. Thank you. Look at us <laughs> getting over our ketchup and mustard fiasco to align on something. That has been my core stance on Domino's. Not to be more animated about this subject than obviously Roe v. Wade, but. If you look at Domino's as pizza, it's terrible. Yeah, obviously. If you look at it as this delicious cardboard salt lick with a little bit of sauce on it, it's it's wonderful. It's delicious. It's Italian Burger King. That's so good. That's <laughs> so good. No offense to all the Italians out there. I don't. Why would that be offensive? I don't think that they would want to stand by anything related to Domino's. I really don't know a good red-blooded Italian from New York that has ever even had Domino's. You can't you can't say that like 3 a.m. sleepover, pizza, lava cakes, cheesy bread. I mean, that slaps like nothing else on earth. Wow, that's loud. I bet it's going to come from the mic. Unfuckers, can you hear the rain? Goodness gracious. Have you ever heard the rain? <laughs> Is this good? Manny's going to be like, what are you doing? You recording in your cars? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm a really good editor, so they're not going to hear the rain, but what the fuck were you doing? Recording in your cars? I Do I have to make a YouTuber apology about my voice? Well, I was going to get to that next. Okay. All right. Well, I'll let you, you segue. I don't think your voice is as fried as you think it is, but it unfuckers. It feels fried. If you're, if you're detecting a hint of fry in 99's voice... It's because she got caught out in the rainstorm, I guess. What yeah, is I have pneumonia. Good Lord. I don't. I don't have pneumonia. You do not have pneumonia. But 99 spent the weekend. And for those of you that were on Twitter, you see that I, I tweeted something. We were going to do a little 
half-assed takeover of Twitter where I would just, you know, thump for through tweets all weekend. But then the, the road decision was finally dropped and I didn't feel it was my place to be fucking around on, on the Twitters. But 99 spent the weekend away on a dirty ass campground with all of her hippie friends, probably token on some ganja, having a little bit of the weed. Oh, your mom listens to the show. Do you think my mom doesn't know I smoke weed? I mean, she knows you go to these festivals and surrounded by all your dirty hippie friends sleeping on a campground and pooping in porta potties. I mean, just ugh, just disgusting. I don't go there to poop in a porta potty. It's not like the prime directive of my trip. I mean, you can't hear this music anywhere other than a dirty, filthy campground where you get locked inside with a bunch of smelly hippies all it's weekend so long. It's so fun. It's so fun. It was never my idea of fun. Because you're boring. I'm not boring. What did you do for fun? Well, I, I would go to music events. I would go to concerts. I did stuff. Yeah, but then you're like stuck I inside. I produced concerts for crying out loud in another life. Okay, well, and? <laughs> but I wouldn't lay on the ground to go see any of these acts. I mean, I wasn't doing snow angels in the dirt. Ugh. You dance around, the lights are there, people are hula hooping. Oh my God. Some some people have these like stick things that they balance on each Still? other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. remember those dicks when I was in yeah. college and they'd be all out in the green like, hey, with my sticks and my hacky sack. Hacky sack has died out a little bit. There was Frisbee. I saw some cornhole. What else? I didn't see any hacky sack. A lot of banjo playing, as I told you. A man played the banjo for the entire night, for probably for the entire weekend. So I slept through it, though, thankfully. A friend of mine patented a Frisbee that had a bong inside of it. Why? And they you you pass it along and you each take a hit. I, I know. Mean, I guess that's funny. I guess. But it seems impractical. Little. Little. I don't think it kind of swept the nation like the the sticks and the frisbees and the Yeah. And the hacky sacks that you guys all play with. I just told you we don't do hacky sack anymore. Whatever. It's, it's all, trite. It's trite. You know what's trite? <laughs> what? Pooping in a porta potty in a campground. It's fine. You just cover everyone else's shit with more toilet paper. It's my. Mm. I get in there and I just do like a, you know, you do a layer of toilet paper and it's like a fresh porta potty. I'm too old for this shit. I there were people older than you there. Really, you've alluded in the past that there's just nobody older than me. Well, that's also true, but that's in my fictional world. We're in the real world. Were people talking about the decision? Was that a big subject? You're gonna be like, were people talking about the podcast? I was like, I didn't hear anyone. <laughs> um, I definitely saw some women wearing shirts. I mean, we were. It was kind of poor time. And I can't believe they they fucking did How this decision they? on my it's weekend like off. Yeah, I saw in the car on the way in, like right as we were lining up to to go to our our campsite, and it was my. I mean, I was gonna find out eventually, but I saw it and I was like, fucking a, and. If there was ever a time to, like, try and disconnect from it a little bit, I had to. But, yeah, I think some people probably genuinely didn't find out till later because there was almost no service there. Mm. I did see some people wearing, like, activist shirts, you know, that they either happened to have packed or or saw the decision before they were packing, you know. So, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a huge area of, of conversation. 
I was listening to uh, Intercepted. I think Natasha Leonard did the uh, takeover. And uh, she interviewed some luminaries that have written extensively about Supreme Court decisions and Roe in particular. And they were talking about the difference between not being surprised, the difference between surprise and shock. That how we obviously not surprised because A, they've been working on it for years and B, the draft decision had dropped a few weeks ago. But that even though the draft decision tracked so closely with the final opinion, it was still shocking. Yeah. When it came out. Like, I can't. There, there was like knowing that it's coming and then the day that it comes and just being like, I can't fucking believe that they did it. Yeah. I think there was that kind of little bit of hanging hope that it wouldn't wouldn't happen. Like, just like we were talking about, well, will Musk buy Twitter? And I'm like, no, it won't happen. Right. It's just conjecture at this point, really. And I know there are obviously there's more to it, but it felt like conjecture and it just felt like a scare. Like it was scary then, but, you know, then it actually happened. So, yeah, but definitely a place. It was a good place to be because, I mean, not all not all jam band fans are liberal, but I think it is a pretty liberal place. So uh, I think everyone was in solidarity. A lot of bands played like protest songs or did kind of call outs. Um, one of the bands played Burning Down the House. And I was like, well, it wasn't the house. It was the Supreme Court. But, you know, the message was there. <laughs> and, you know, it's I, I don't I don't see this as a liberal issue. That's the thing. Well, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. None of nothing related to healthcare should be a right. political issue. Like my body is not politics. My body is my body. My health is my health. Other people's health is their health. It's going to affect you regardless of who you vote for. So it shouldn't be political, but it is politicized. So I think it does sort of translate over to liberalism in that way. At least just knowing that likely these people here will will share the same ideology as me to a degree. One of the things the scholars on Intercepted were breaking down was how the decision was written as though it was trying to untangle a tangled web of constitutional law, state law, and federal law, and that this would this would sort of untangle it and make it easier for future laws to be written that were more specific and took into account women's health and reproductive rights. You know, it's just just complete and utter bullshit. And and one of the the constitutional scholars on the show was saying it's actually created such a bigger tangled mess because this gets into um, inter and intrastate issues that we haven't had to worry about. There's certain criminal and civil laws on the books in these in the states that have the so-called trigger laws that now automatically overturn abortions within the states, but all to varying different degrees. So certain states, in all cases, some states, the exception of incest, other states, there's punishable by fine, punishable by jail time. If you are supportive of the person, if you're financially supportive of somebody who gets an abortion, if you're a doctor, performs the abortion, whatever it is, and that they've created such an enormous burden of proof, even under the most, even under the so-called acceptable circumstances to terminate uh, a fetus, they, they created such an enormous burden of proof, like, okay, it's the health of the mother. Well, that doctor has to make that determination, except, and I saw this actually, Sam Cedar, Cedar was making a great point on Majority Report about 
that doctor's oath in that moment, there's no light switch that goes off where you can actually do a swab and be like, oh, this pregnancy is actually going to endanger your life. These are these are judgment calls and subjective calls in the moment that that doctors have to make. And there's no there's no test that can tell you whether the woman's life is in jeopardy. So there's going to be a high burden of proof for that person. So now that physician is going to sit there and make a decision like, well, your life might be in danger, but it might not. And if I terminate the pregnancy and I cannot prove that your life wasn't in danger, then that person might be up for a civil or criminal fine. Or in the case that they're, that the fetus is not going to make it. Well, you have a high burden of proof. Or in the case of rape and, and or incest, well, now you have to go to court to prove that that thing happened to you. And by the time the court system, you're going to have that baby by the time. That, I mean, it's just, it, they've made it impossible. And so the state nightmare, the intrastate nightmare that is about to, that, that is about, oh, they're talking about the healthcare nightmare as well. So all of the companies that can then, or the doctors that can prescribe uh, Plan B or something, or the morning after pill, right? Is that the same thing? Plan B, is that, is that what they call the morning after pill? I don't know. I don't know if the morning after pill is like a generic phrase for it. Right. But I think there's, well, there's an abortion pill. Right. And then there's Plan B. There are but an abortion pill that only works with it if it's within a certain you know period of time anyway, and you're talking about so. the number like very of people early. That, very early, right? Yeah. So people that don't even know they're bright. So, I mean, it's just, the whole thing is, is so fucked up and their rationale is so disingenuous that it's remarkable. It's just, it's just the whole thing is remarkable. So. Yeah. It makes me feel entirely disassociated. Like I can't, sometimes I just can't comprehend what's happening, that this is the world we live in. So it almost is like completely numbing. Yes. Cause I'm just like, it's like being a walking zombie in this world of like, what's next? You know, they're going to take away same sex marriage. Do we still call it same sex marriage? I was wondering that. I feel like we shouldn't. So this gets into a, another language issue where there might be a better way to say it in terms of what was codified into law. Yeah. That's how they referred to it. Right. So if we refer to it as such, it's not because we're not doing the work, I guess, to figure out like a, a better term for any type of, of recognized marriage between two people, right? Yeah. I think there needs to be an updated term that is more inclusive. Unfuckers, if you know of a more updated term, let us know. But yeah, so it's just, if you feel like me and you're disassociated, you're not alone. Yeah, it's a lot. What it's do you lot. do? It's a what slow moving do? nightmare. Well, let's get into emails for this week. We have, we actually had a nice amount of feedback on a whole number of things, it, not just ketchup and mustard, by the way. So th just to review what we did last week, we dropped... We redropped our crude oil piece called Peak Oil, which really went kind of through the history of how oil as a became a commodity and a currency and something that was essentially basically turned into a casino bet and how that has translated into artificially pumping up or devaluing commodities over time. So that episode, the reason that that we wanted to redrop that episode is because we almost felt like that was a primer into $5 gasoline and where we stand today or one of the 
prognostications that you might have heard in the episode itself in the second episode we dropped called five dollar gasoline was jp morgan saying that uh, gasoline could hit as high as six dollars and twenty cents later this year so anyway the five dollar gas episode i felt was more streamlined a little more cogent and even standing on its own without the peak oil primer the goal there was just to say this is why this price is so high and this is what you're not hearing in the mainstream or any media for that matter so our first response to that is from craig k who said i can't believe i'm going to defend nancy freaking pelosi but my defense is based on information provided on this podcast so i guess you can blame max with regards to the proposed federal tax holiday on gas i recognize trying something is usually better than trying nothing but it certainly seems plausible that if it were enacted all the middlemen along the way would just absorb the five cents or whatever Wall Street would just increase the next price projection by another five cents, leaving no change in the price of the pump and giving Republicans more ammo to fire at Biden's incompetence. What do you think? So Craig actually has a two-parter. So on this first part, I get it that this, but, but this wasn't her framing. So I get what you're saying in that any sort of tax holiday could get eaten up by Wall Street just saying that there is going to be a higher price projection. They could they could bake that into their projections down the road. But that wasn't what she was talking about. So what Pelosi was talking about was the, quote, companies, not Wall Street, but the companies, meaning they would. So what you're suggesting is that the, those companies would be able to or what she's suggesting is those companies would be able to just uh, take the excess price. And that implies price gouging. But my point was actually to demonstrate that there is no price gouging. Their price gouging isn't actually occurring right now. They're actually, these companies are getting paid fairly for their services if you buy into the fact that the base price for crude oil is as high as it is. So you're more correct that Wall Street can just continue to project higher and higher prices. But Nancy Pelosi is not correct because in her own way, she's steering the narrative away from Wall Street and toward the energy companies as price gougers and not the speculators on Wall Street. So kind of arriving at the same point, but clarifying that if she's shifting the narrative towards the price gouging companies, she's also propagating a false narrative. So uh, Craig Kay's other question is regarding commodity markets. Is there a way we can interpret or track the commodity markets to show how Wall Street manipulates prices for the sake of making money off the spread? So this is actually a pretty tricky question. Commodities don't operate on the same rules and principles as many of the other markets do. Not that the other markets, well, maybe outside of the bond market, operate with any precision or norms. So instead of a look forward, what I would recommend is two books that we've mentioned before. And in order, the first is The Futures by Emily Lambert. And that shows how small and parochial these markets still are. It takes very little money compared to all of the other markets to move a market. And that's really important to understand. So a huge investment or a group of investments into the commodities markets can actually make a, a huge impact on the price. So volume does drive price there more so than it does in the equities markets. The equities markets have been completely hijacked by the algorithms at this point. But the commodities market, a big player can come in with an investment and actually move the needle. So Emily Lambert's book does a really good, good job at explaining that. The other book for a, very, for a deeper dive 
though it's far more complicated, is The Illusion of Free Markets by Bernard Harcourt, because Harcourt uses the commodities markets, long held up as the example of free markets, as the prime example for how no market is actually free. It's a, it's a brilliant book, but again, I would say that in order, if you read something like The Futures first, it'll help you make more sense. It'll help you, it'll help make more sense of Harcourt's argument because Harcourt goes very, it's a very academic book. It's very deep. And the first half of it is incredibly dense. It's very hard to get through, but it is a really illuminating book if you want to understand the nature of markets writ large. So the direct answer to your question, Craig, is it's not really possible to interpret the actions going forward because the actions on a daily basis will determine which way the markets move. In the commodities market specifically, a spitz, one particular actor can have an enormous influence on spreads and volatility. So it's just, it's, it's always very difficult to predict, but it's not a normal actor. It's very hard to apply logic to those markets themselves. Now, the next email... I'm going to take this and try to break it into pieces. It is a very long email from a friend of Manny Faces, actually. The author is Dialectics. It says, I came to this podcast by way of Manny Faces. I've been following him since he did the New York Hip Hop Report. Uh, again, I'm going to, it's a long email, so I'm just going to pull out some highlights. I'm a Marxist, and though I appreciate the effort, I think you guys got Marxism pretty wrong in the episode that you had on it. A realist politic, meaning a real politique person, is one that tries to reform or upgrade or expand capitalism and its state apparatus to include or protect those it exploits and or dominates, and takes issue with the capitalist state is even reformable at this stage of its development, and that class antagonism is at the very heart of the capitalism base and the economic structure. So I'm going to come back to those, but let me let me read a couple more points from dialectics. The Constitution itself is only a document that marks where their level of political unity lies and the different fractions of capital and their political factions struggle to adapt it through their internal class struggle. The Constitution is therefore nothing for us to defend. Capitalism and its state have no progressive bone left. An example of this is Bernie, AOC, all of your favorite allegedly progressive politicians voted for the continued proxy war in Ukraine and most voted to keep arming the Israeli fascist state. I'm a half Jew, by the way. These are not actions of progressives. Capitalism is not simply an economic system, despite how bad the Kochs and other reactionaries ferment that idea. Capitalism is a mode of production with parasitic social relations. It is a world order. And the last one I'm going to pull out here is we need to we need independent and sustainable organizations to be built from the ground up. So I I highlighted those because I thought they were independently pretty strong statements. I'll go back to what Dialectics is criticizing from a prior episode. It might have been one that did we do one straight up on Marxism and capitalism? Or was it capita, fascist, social, demarxism? Yeah, it was the isms episode. The isms episode. Okay. So one of the things I was trying to debunk in the isms episode was that we have this view that Marxism is diametrically opposed to capitalism in all ways. And that is somewhat true. The point I was making that I think the writer here has an issue with 
is that Marx actually had a pretty favorable view of capitalism. And that is, I mean, that just disappears from everybody's discussion and, and, and dialogue when it comes to understanding Marx. Marx was a critic of capitalism to the extent that he believed it would do what it's doing now, that it would wind up turning on itself, that greed would have the better of it. It would it would become a class issue and it would it would further increase the issues between the classes. But he was a fan of capitalism as an economic model, as a beginning economic model to break us from our prior feudal tendencies that in and of itself had a was a, a form of economic slavery. That capitalism was the first step in freeing the classes by creating capital in a different way. But he believed that capitalism would eventually lead to socialism that would then result in something that is as of yet undefined, and that is Marxism. So what I think is important, and I'm and I'm definitely up to hearing more from dialectics about this. What I thought was was interesting about where Marx and Engels finished their writing was that Marxism was the outcropping of socialism evolved. Socialism evolved from capitalism. So it was a direct path. It was a continuum that had to happen based upon different fits and starts that these uh, that these economic systems would go through. But there's no question, and here's where I agree with dialectics here, there's no question that capitalism itself is exploitative. But our idea of capitalism, and the bigger point that I was making in the capitalism episode and the isms episode, is that our understanding of capitalism today is even perverted from what Smith originally intended and what Marx was able to observe as kind of the first 100 years of the capitalist experiment. So writing at totally different times, Adam Smith believed capitalism was a better economic model for the new world, but it would be based on agricultural inputs almost exclusively. And that if it were to succeed, it required a very highly functioning regulatory environment. And that the outputs, that surplus capital, should be reinvested into things like art, science, and education. That's Adam Smith. What Marx observed was that capitalism itself, because of its of the classist nature of capitalism, would always take more and extract more surplus from the labor class, and that the upper class, the owners of capital and labor, would do everything in their power to gather more power. And on that note, he was absolutely right. What he envisaged was the labor class revolting and rising up against the moneyed class to have a more equitable distribution of that capital. What he did not foresee was the rise of nationalism. Nationalism created a whole different set of global circumstances that resulted in a different form of class warfare. That nationalism prevented what Marx viewed as a global uprising of the labor class. So now each 
one of these class uprisings was then fragmented and segmented and then pitted against each other in economic warfare, real warfare, and labor did not have the ability to move across the world in the new trading environment that we were living under in, in, in the industrial age to then foment discord universally. So that the, those were those were the points that I was making because we were coming at it from a purely economic perspective. The end result, the most important takeaway from all of this, and this is for dialectics and anybody that listens to this show, is that our point here primarily is that we no longer live in a capitalist society. That if you view what our economic system today is as classical capitalism, you are incorrect. This is a very different version of what was originally intended. And that, so that's really the only point that we were trying to make about that and that we were sticking to. And I'm happy to, to argue on the margins about what Marx believed capitalism to be, the time in which he was writing, what, what was right, what was wrong, whether or not his very vague notion, in my opinion, of what would ultimately evolve out of socialism is ever even possible in, among our species. But the real point here in what dialectics is is getting to the overarching point that they're making is that bernie aoc the progressive wing liberalism even those who believe that we're living under a capitalist society no matter what it is that if you're fighting to transform a political party or a political system today in america then you're fighting for the wrong thing it has to be thrown out and we have to be looking for new independent third party variables to rise up and take over this system if we're going to have a shot at at you know an equitable life and more humanity i guess in our policies our politics and our economics our argument has been i get that but we're out of time that the climate crisis caused by many of the same things that we're talking about here, the capitalist, the, the crisis of, of capitalism and, and what it has evolved into, which is this perverted neoliberal form of economic dogma that only benefits the moneyed class and a handful of people, that that system is running us into a point where we are officially out of time as a species. And that's why I believe that still occupying the Democratic Party as the party that has all of the mechanisms and levers of power within that is already institutionalized, that occupying that Democratic Party is the only progressive way forward to help us maneuver away from catastrophe. And it may already be too late. Who knows? But that is the only way that we can do it. Because to upend the entire political and economic system of the United States, the most powerful empire in the history of empire, is impossible unless we're all going to root for some sort of collapse. And I'm not rooting for that. Dialectics, I loved your email. I appreciate it. I don't know if I got to it in as straightforward as a manner as I could have, but these are the main themes that we're trying to tease out and make sure that we're understood as this is not a philosophy show where we're going back and we're looking at each strategic element of the isms but trying to paint a larger picture that none of these isms are what were originally intended to be and that they've all been co-opted and perverted 
by this new neoliberal, very thin strain of libertarian dogma that is benefiting only a handful of people. Now, let's move off of that and move into emails. 99, I see we actually have a pair here. We've got Franny and Zooey. What's going on there? Zoe, like the J.D. Salinger book? No. Yeah. <laughs> I really have a problem with reading names. I should read more names. Zoe. Zoe. Isn't Zoe Z-O-E-Y? There are multiple. You know, it could be Z-O-E, Z-O-E-Y. Zoe Deschanel spelled like this because of J.D. Salinger's book. I should read more fiction. <laughs> Continue. I think he got me too, so maybe don't start there. Ooh, Salinger? Yeah. I just said fiction. I know. Well, yeah. I was just, you know, to clear to clear that one up. That's fair. So, Franny and Zoe said, just listen to Andrew Perez talk to the Sams at District Sentinel Radio about Leonard Leo, who seems to be the man most responsible for the Supreme Court we have today. This guy's at the bottom of seemingly everything. He's like the Milton Friedman of the judiciary. Yeah, so that's Leonard Leo of the Federalist Society, who is arguably the most responsible for, I believe he selected... Gorsuch, Barrett, Kavanaugh, maybe one other. Been behind Roberts, too. But yeah, I mean, everybody calls it the Trump court, but it is, it, it's this guy's court. I mean, he, he literally proposed all of these names and, and was working on them for years. Amazing stuff. I believe at some point we'll unfuck Leonard Leo, maybe not independently, but we're definitely going to unfuck the Federalist Society. Uh, and that show was District Sentinel Radio. Interesting. Okay. Well, if anybody else listens to that show and you think it's good, let us know. Noel said, longtime listener since 2020, first time writer. Side note, I was trying to figure out when I started listening and I looked back in Apple Podcasts and the first episode available seems to be capitalism. Curious why I can't see the earlier episodes there anymore. So I checked this out and it's across all platforms, but I submitted a ticket and they will be resolved within 24 to 48 hours. So I just wanted to let everybody know. So it's across like all platforms means it's a distribute. Yeah. It's on our side then. Right? Yeah, it was. We had a setting clicked on that. If we did over 100 episodes, the pagination kind of disappears. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now it just needs to repopulate in the feed, but, but it'll be there. So we've done we've done this more than 100 times? Yeah. When, you know, with full-on fuckings, trailers, bonus episodes, show notes, quickies, topical cream, phone a friend, a lot of features. So, yeah. Hmm. I know. Fun. A lot of talking. There's a lot of, a lot of jabber. Yeah. We probably would. I wonder how long it would take to listen to the whole catalog at this point. Hmm. Gotta be is, days. Hmm. But my my pocket cast, which I only started using a couple months ago, says I've listened to 39 days of podcasts. <laughs> days. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Did you just leave it playing while you were like laying in the dirt at a campground? Yep, that's exactly what I did. Thank you. How do I find this out? Well, 99 looks for the absolute number of hours. I'm going to move on to give a shout out. You know, Bobby McDee is a very good friend of the show for a few reasons. Number one, he's writes in some of the funniest emails, also some of the most poignant and meaningful emails, probably because he's a writer. He's just happens to be an outstanding and accomplished author. Bobby McDee was stateside 
Tragically, we never met. He was not that far from where we are as the crow flies, but he had a vacation, family vacation. They came here. He sent us a few pictures. And one of the things that he did was he visited an ice cream store that I had recommended because I knew where he was going and sent us a picture from there, which I super, super appreciated. The other thing he did was he brought stickers back to his home country of Ireland. So UNFTR stickers will be making it maybe not on a gas pump. And we're going to talk about our gas pump issue, our, our thing that we're working on. But hopefully, maybe on the side of a of a pub, <laughs> right? Yeah. Something super fucking Irish, Bobby, would be amazing. What's your guess for total runtime? Ooh. Uh, oh, God, I'm really terrible at this kind of stuff. I'm going to say we have put together uh, a hundred hours of content. Shows about an hour. Some have run longer, but a hundred hours content. Three days, 14 hours, 53 minutes, and seven seconds. So, so am I right? A little under, but yeah, close. Wow. That's crazy. Fun. Aaron N. said, have to say on behalf of New Zealand. Ugh. Anyway, what? Aaron N. said, have to say on behalf of New Zealand and all the sane nations of the world who are part of the global economic system, USA, can you please get your shit together or we will have to hold an intervention? Aaron, come on in. I'm begging you. Nothing would make me happier than if like France, Germany, New Zealand, Rwanda, Myanmar. We're going to talk about Myanmar in a little bit. That's why I have it on the brain. Everybody just kind of came to the table. Japan, maybe just even all of our client states, right? Just all came to the table. It grabbed us at the United Nations. They were like, listen, buddy, you gotta fucking talk. You can't go on this way. You think they could do it here? Russia says Putin will be part of G20 summit. Oh, great. Yeah, why not? <laughs> that can be the, we can have a, a dual intervention. So he's gonna, he's inviting him to be part of the G20. You can stay in our little, our little clique and our little cabal after visiting Saudi Arabia and just, not even mentioning that, you know, they just murdered a U.S. journalist. No problem. Just everything. Hey, guys, everything's normal. Everything's fine. Look away. It's still being determined whether Putin will travel to the summit in person, citing COVID-19 concerns. Bullshit. That guy's sick. I don't, I don't know if I believe that. I do. I do because I want to. I want to believe it. I believe he's I just Ill. feel like we constantly address or we constantly assess people based on their physical appearance. Like, you know, everyone said Trump was sick. Everyone says this. And I'm like, some people are just either overweight, unhealthy, ugly. <laughs> just because he's ugly doesn't mean he's sick. Uh, he looks different. He's sick. Something's, something's wrong. He got there. Botox. In his jowls? Is that what looks different about him? I thought his face was like puffy. It is. He, it's like prednisone puffy. That doesn't mean anything to me. Steroid puffy. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he's taking creatine. He wants to bulk up. Oh, that's possible. Yeah. It just all went to his jowls. It's possible. I know a kid who took creatine in high school and just like, he was so skinny and then he was just like this big mass of water weight. Ooh. So it could be that. Okay. So he's just pumping iron, maybe getting ready to kick it 
all 19 other leaders' asses at the G20? Well, what's-his-face can definitely kick his ass, so he's got to be prepared. Oh, Zelensky? Yeah. He's a comic. Can he kick his ass? Like, I don't know. He looks kind of fit. He does look fit. I just... He's he's a little small, which I say not in a disparaging way, but I think like he's got a low center of gravity because mm. he's small, and I think he's like... He's small and compact. And, and Putin's could, like 90, so I'm sure he could take him in like... 90. Whatever, in grappling like or something 12? like that. You know, but I don't know. What were we talking Hope about? Hope he dies. Anyway. No. What? No? <laughs> I don't know. Is it okay to say that in uh, general? Like three episodes ago, you were murdering every white guy over the age of 75, and now you have a problem? Yeah, don't don't I, murder, the, murder the dictator. Yeah, I want all dictators to live. That oh, way I'm going to make sense. my dictator alliance. I just don't know. Is it okay to tell people you wish they died, even if they're bad? Yeah, I think it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I think it is. Okay. This episode is weird. Running, running all over. Well, you know, part of it is because you spent the weekend not sleeping correctly and doing a lot of drugs on a campground. Ergo, you are not in your right mind to rein in my worst instincts. It's possible. <laughs> Okay, you're doing this one? Yeah, Phil Tribble said, on another front, I want to harp on about race once again to you. I sent in a message once about using terms that describe someone's power rather than skin color demographics as the defining feature in political battles and whatnot. This is a two-parter. Phil Tribble, just to address the first part again. I hear you. If we stopped identifying people based upon their race when race is appropriate to the story and or the marginalization of a particular race, and we just talk about the powerless, we're actually erasing that person's race as part of the equation in the powerlessness. That all things being equal, if, it, if everything was about class dynamics, sure. But I think it actually steals power from a particular race if we don't identify that person and frame it as why they lost their power in that particular instance. So that's my feeling on that. Doesn't make it right. I just think it's I, it's just how I feel. Now, second part. I was just reading deeper into Ansong Suchi's story and what details we actually know, looking for information about how and why she could just ignore the Rohingya problem and wondering if there was, those were factors that would make the USA step in for better or for worse. And it struck me that we could define an ethnic militias as Rohingya and speak of it like that, or or could we speak of the civilians as Rohingya? Or perhaps we don't recognize racist ethnic supremacy in other contexts like the Myanmar Union. But if we refer to them as people and ditch our primary designations of ethnic differences, I really think that we can see these conflicts with greater clarity. So sort of a, a bookended point there. I Again, if we erase the fact that the Rohingya are predominantly Muslim in Myanmar, and that is exactly why they are being abused and and murdered. It's a confirmed genocide. To do that steals the power away from them instead of just calling them people. If we called if we just called them people and we took all the context away from it, then we're stealing power and we're not addressing the root issue, which is the rampant Islamophobia on that side of the world that exists to an even more extreme extent than we experience it here. So I don't think that we can ever take that away and take it out of the equation. I think it's an idyllic situation to be able to talk about the world just in terms of 
of who we are as people. I am a child. I am a. I am this or I am this class versus this race, religion, ethnicity, creed, whatever. But it, again, I, I feel like it steals power. And in terms of Aung San Suu Kyi's story, it's, I, I don't know if we will ever properly, this is probably the subject of a phone a friend, but I mean, she was a Nobel Peace Prize recipient who then whitewashed in at the, the genocide of the Rohingya people. And she was a darling of the democratic media. She was a darling of, of I mean, people like Hillary Clinton were holding her up as an example of, of you know the the rebirth of of democratization of Myanmar, and then she had this sort of this bizarre turn of events. But even even still, she was overthrown by her own people, uh, presumably because she had lost some of the faith on the world stage, and it was actually more of an internal struggle with the general who was power hungry than it was the the people turning against her or what have you. But yeah, what I mean. The Myanmar situation, and by the way, uh, Aung San Suu Kyi is still under arrest, and I think she was just sentenced to another four or five years uh, of arrest. Her situation is is a power grab. Her situation in in trying to whitewash the genocide of the Rohingya people is is I mean, it's detestable, it's deplorable, it's disgusting, and she should have she should have been shunned on the world stage as she was. But anyway, point being. If we take out the religious aspect and the the blatant Islamophob- Islamophobia from Aung San Suu Kyi's story or just the story of Myanmar or or that part of the world in general, then I think we're still I think we're doing an even bigger disservice to Islamic people in that region. So anyway, that's how I feel about that. Now let's move on to Luke R. So Luke said, hey gang, long time Eurofucker here. I've listened to every single episode from the very beginning. In the latest show notes, you talked about IMDb, owned by our big friend Jeffrey. A great alternative I found about a year ago is Letterboxd. It's run by a small team of real cinephiles in New Zealand, and instead of IMDb's data, they use the crowdsourced TMDB. I hope this helps in the Amazon boycott, FJB and FMF. I love it. Letterboxd. L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D. Letterboxd cool and it's a kiwi fucker thing yeah dig that (laughs) jeffrey bezos you did it Mm -hmm. that was 99's contribution that you're her not your only contribution that was your contribution in the amazon episode up top was to play bo burnham's jeffrey bezos snippet which i loved thank you for that you're so welcome yeah any excuse to shoehorn bo burnham into anything I saw the somehow problematic John Mulaney this weekend. My daughter and I went in together. She's a huge John Mulaney fan. So I called an audible and I got last minute tickets and we went and we had a great night together. So much fun. And he mentioned during the show that he's been gone for a while because he was in rehab. That's what the whole show was about. And like he had his whole life kind of fell apart and whatever. And he was talking about how his audience has changed. And, and for the people that don't know him, said either your daughter is really into me or your non-athletic son, but there's a good chance that all young people just like Bo Burnham better. And so here I am, <laughs> which is fine. That is funny. Yeah. He's not, I don't think he's inherently problematic. I think his affiliations are problematic now because of Dave Chappelle. So, right. but also people are saying like Netflix is funding the tour. And so it was kind of a Netflix thing where they were like made him show up, but I don't, I don't know how much truth, truth there is to that. It's all complicated and it's politics in its own right. But I don't think 
he's a transphobic person, but that doesn't mean it's okay to be friends with one. I'll say that. Okay. About John Mulaney. Okay. And that's the show, everyone. <laughs> um, so we're, we're going to move on to Facebook. And we heard from our friend Jen S. Who said, hey, 99 Manny and Max. Shout out to Unfucking Republic at our Colorado Springs Women March protest today. And so Jen shared a clip with us that we're going to put in right here. Hey, tough guy. Stifler's mom. Well, we meet again. Oh, sorry. Wrong clip. Also, I need everyone here, if you guys are big into the progressive movement, please go to Spotify. Go to where you guys listen to your podcast. Check out Unfucking the Republic. Go listen to them. They got a Facebook pay, uh, post okay, I don't want to know around their page. Unfucking the Republic. This is basically a, a podcast teaching you us like how this happened and the solutions. Check them out. They're pushing candidates, the progressive candidates, all over the country. So if you're a progressive candidate and you're running, contact the show. UNFTRPODPOD.com. Contact them. They're trying to get this information out. Progressive candidates only. All right, guys. Thank you so much for letting us be here. So Jen said she also informed progressive candidates running in her area to reach out to the show, and it was a pretty great turnout. I can't believe she did that. It, she, for, for, I can't. Right, by the way, I, Jen S. I, I don't take this in the wrong way, but I can't stop watching your your videos. I think they're fucking. Why would she take that the wrong way? I know. It's I, a compliment. It's, it's just sort of like ew, you know, like why she can't stop listening to our podcast. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. All right. So Jen S. live streams herself, just thinking out loud. Sometimes from the car, sometimes from different places, and it's just I just love it. It's just so much fun, and she's fucking awesome. And she's such a, she's such a big advocate of the show and for and for all good things. But you know, and calls us out when we need to be called out. And just a, one of those real, just awesome serial unfuckers that just makes us worth doing. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for shouting us out at that event. We certainly need, didn't even warrant a shout out at, at an event that important and a march that important. So the fact that you thought to do that was really, really very cool and inspiring. And then A.R. Ordu said, thanks for this. A.R. is talking about the peak oil episode. I found this particular episode heavy and so packed with info that it, I didn't retain much of it. I'll definitely listen again in prep for tomorrow's episode. Does anyone else feel like being part of the UNFTR community is a bit like being in a college level cohort? I do. I think it's a lot of fun, especially when I'm eavesdropping on all of the activities out there. I just feel like it's and I wish I could just participate and, and just be me, but I'll just stay as that creepy old guy on the sidelines enjoying every every little bit of it. I guess I'm the uh, the creepy Donald Sutherland guy from uh, Animal House, yeah? Mm, I, thought, I thought you were going to go Hunger Games. I never saw Hunger Games. Oh. Well, it's both. He's in both. Is he the same person in both? Well, no, he's President Snow. Donald Sutherland's president? <laughs> in that. Oh, definitely going to watch it now. He's a bad guy. I love him. Oh, he's a bad guy? Mm-hmm. Oh. Do you like, we need a theme song. Or? On fucking flashbacks. That's what I'm I'm calling any series that we drop. Like an old episode. That's what I titled it. Okay. Fun. Right? I thought okay. it was fun. Tell, I tell you what. What? Since you accused me of never letting you participate in the I don't want to write it. I just, I like to suggest genres. Well, okay. I was going to be like, on fucking flashback is the place to be. On fucking flashbacks, the episode for me. 
yeah, maybe I'll just keep on doing those. What do you mean? That was beautiful. <laughs> Over on the Twitters, a general tweet, as 99 calls it. <laughs> SinR21 said, more phone a friend and discussion the episodes, please. Beginning to feel like Fox News superiority where you must be 100% right 100% of the time because you said so. What the fuck, Sin? Holy shit. He's calling my bitch ass out. <laughs> That's crazy. Here's the difference, Sinar. Sources. Also, opinions. <laughs> right? Of course, you're going to think you're 100% right all the time because it's your opinion until you're proven wrong, right? Well. Like, I'm always, I'm like, I'm willing to be wrong. Tell me. Yeah. And listen, we've called ourselves out when we've been corrected. But there's a difference between, again, show notes and the full unfucking show notes. You're just getting the full unfiltered, unfettered access to all the bananas stuff that's in my head and 99's head. Whereas the full unfuckings, not Fox News. They're fully sourced. Back our shit up. Speak your truth to power. And people may differ from our conclusions at times. I get that. But the research and the sourcing and the facts that are put in there are indisputable. So perspective, there's no such thing as unbiased, by the way. I know everybody likes to think that, you know, well, I like to get unbiased sources of information. There's not that we all carry bias into everything that we do. And we come at, we derive our conclusions from the source material from a progressive perspective. And in that way, I am completely biased. But don't compare me to Fox News. That's just ugly sin. But thanks for writing in. Knudsen said, It's time to get an unfucking the SCOTUS movement moving fast. POTUS needs to nominate four SCOTUS justices and move through the Senate lightning quick. 13 is a historic national number and, need, and needed to balance the court. Yeah, we can't get anything through the Senate. And 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 this is this is part of the problem. And and I was having a I'll, I'll say a spirited discussion with someone I love explaining that, who basically said, well, how how did we get here? <laughs> and I just tried to boil it down as simply as, as I could to explain my perspective that this is what you get when you compromise and drive the middle lane. This is what we get when you choose a Joe Biden, this is what you get when you choose a Barack Obama. Heresy, I know. This is what you get when the best you can put up on the Democratic side for decades now, since Jimmy Carter, is somebody that is passable to the right enough to get elected passable to the right. That's how the Democratic Party and establishment has been thinking since Jimmy Carter. Let's find somebody who's just inspiring enough to bring over some liberals that will win the base because they always vote that way and just passable enough to bring over a few Republicans and then we can keep just enough control to keep our fucking jobs. This is what you get when you compromise during elections. Making legislation, running the country, 
agencies doing the work of the government and the bureaucracy and all of that requires compromise. Elections don't. Elections are the time that you stand up as a nation, you work with your political leaders to say, here are the things that I want. I would like universal health care. I would like unrestricted rights to reproduction decisions. I would like college, state college and community college to be free like every other fucking industrialized country in the world. I would like to have a Green New Deal and save the planet. I would like to have tighter gun control laws. I would like to have all of these different things. And you line up a candidate that stands for those fucking things and and says it out loud and you don't undermine that candidate along the way because you're so fucking worried that you're not going to win over a handful of fucking Republicans. This is what you get when you compromise. And so, Knudsen, to that point, even if we were able to get four Supreme Court justices added to bring it to 13, it's never going to pass the Senate because we don't have the courage to kill the filibuster. And even if we killed the filibuster, you know Bob Menendez ain't going along with that, right? You know Susan Collins ain't going along with that. You know that, I mean, and on and on and on. What? No, every time you say that, I the uh, speaking of the Hunger Games, the author of the Hunger Hunger Games is named I think her name is Suzanne Collins. Oh, so I always I feel bad for her. Yeah, it's like, stop shitting on me. I yeah. just wrote a book. Yeah, she wrote three. She did at least in that series, maybe more. But sorry, no, it's just fine. Giggling. It's just I know. You know that that dumb fuck from Arizona. She not going along with this. The dumb fuck from West Virginia, he not going along with this. So I, you know, and I, you know, and I, and I don't want to win by gaming the system. I'm not above gaming the system. Like, fine, fuck it, add four more. Just we're just not going to get it through because we've compromised every step of the way, and so now we don't even have a political system that's that would be able to pass something like that. Because if we had that, we'd be able to actually make abortion legal federally. Throughout the entire country, it would just be the law of the land if we had that kind of muscle. We wouldn't even need to add justices. Anyway, B. Murray 71 said, what do you think of the thought red or blue vote new? Hashtag red or blue vote new. I I don't know if this is an actual movement. I, I spent two seconds looking it up beforehand. My assumption here is everybody sucks so bad. Just vote for all new people. It's tempting But again, Madison Cawthorn was new and young, and new doesn't always mean better, right? Look at the new people that came to Congress, and we got Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert. Think about young people. Look at Matt Gaetz, right? Madison Cawthorn. Like, these fucking animals, they were all new. They had no political experience before this, and they ran as a, you know, as a fucking QAnon conspiracy theorist and, and won, and that's new. Institutional knowledge matters. Being capable matters. It's it. So for me, it's not you know, it's not vote new. It, it's vote very blue. It's vote progressive. It's vote for smart people who are progressive and get what's at stake. So I'm not on the just vote new train. Sorry. I'm sure there's more nuance to it. But yeah, I couldn't find any. So I'm just responding to the hashtag. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean that in a mean way. B. 
because there, the, you know, a part of me has has always felt like uh, like ninety nine killing off everybody over the age of well, white men over the age of seventy five. Like, yes, fresh, new, young. Where I differ is this push for I'm an outsider. I have no political experience. You know, politics is hard. In no other fucking profession would we accept an app, a job applicant who says, I know nothing about this. I know nothing about legislation that I really haven't paid attention to American history. I don't know who any of these other people were that came before me. I'm just a complete outsider who who believes it's time for a change. It's time for a change. That does not denote a, a qualified candidate just because, well, I've never done this before and I thought it would be super interesting because, you know, it's time for a change. How's everything look? Looks good. Looks real good. What's his BP? 120 over 80. Okay, folks. Close him up. You're not Dr. Stewart. No. But I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Our political resumes. Remember we were talking when Danny Bessner, I asked uh, Danny and Derek about who the best and the brightest available are. And they said the best and the brightest don't go into foreign policy at, at an institutional level. Maybe they're at a think tank. Maybe they're in academia. But the best and the brightest, they're not going into the government anymore. Well, that's kind of the same all the way up and down the chain across the board. We need qualified people. We need really smart fucking people that studied this shit in college that intern for people that see how the legislative process goes and also happen to be principled. So if your backstory is AOC as a as a bartender, but working her way through college where she got a degree and then she did some grassroots advocacy and organizing and then got into the system from the ground up with no committees and worked her way through and she's learning the process and making mistakes and and doing better along the way, that's fine. That's great. Because this is who she always wanted to be. But don't just jump into the game and say, time for a change. And I've got an uncle that's going to write the fucking check, you know, to get me my first million so I can compete at the... No, enough. We need quality. Anyway. Maybe I should be a politician. Well, you know what? Maybe we're training a whole new generation here. I was a student senator. And that's more... <laughs> I'm sorry. I just got distracted. So 99 got a henna tattoo. Oh. <laughs> and she just put her arm up on on the uh, uh, podcast table that we have. And uh, it's just so funny to me. It just made me, I don't know. It just made me think of you sitting in that dirt pile there, just just completely wasted being like, yeah, yeah I want a henna tattoo on my arm. Just, And then coming into, into this conversation, talking about the, I don't know. It just made me laugh. Me made and my chuckle. sister got matching ones. So cute. Because we might want to get this for real. So I said, let's do practice run. For realsies, you might get that. For realsies. And I was wearing a hat with this logo. You tell everybody what tattoo says. I'm not going to. Because that would divulge the band that I follow, which I would make it very easy to find me. <laughs> so literally. Because she's one of three. All, no. All you'd have to do is go on their website and like find their tour dates and show up and I'll be there. So I can't do that. <laughs> but we got it and I showed her my hat and she actually did upside down. Because I was sitting across from her, which was pretty impressive. Mm. And she free-handed it. Mm. 
and it was me and a bunch of kids getting glitter tattoos. Then this adult man who was very adamant about cutting me in line. What? I know, it was really weird. Was he white? What? An adult, a grown white man (laughs) jumped the line? I thought you were making some sort of assertion about white people and henna, and I was like, what does this mean? Where are we going here? Mm. Yeah, he wanted to, he wanted, he was like standing in front of me and like, and I was like, what is, what the fuck are you doing? You're, I know I'm not one of these children, but I'm still a child in comparison to you. Then we talked about music and we became friends. So. And then did you get in front of him? Well, yeah, the, the guy who had the booth remembered that we paid first. I said, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stupid old white man. That's what I said to my sister. You'll be dead at 75. Mm, it's possible. If you have your way. If you enter politics, now that I know that you were at once a senator. Point of order. <laughs> Is that what you remember? Yeah, I know Robert's rules. I love it. Senator 99. I would love that. You'd be a great senator, by the way. Thank you. I enjoyed it when I was in. in I mean, it was annoying. One time they ran, ran from like for like six hours. <laughs> like our fucking student senate meeting. It was very it was it was so intense that like we all took it really, really seriously. You should. But it was it was too. There was so much infighting and argue like arguing. And there was like a whole rift between the Senate and the activities council. And it was like the most fucking, the dumbest shit ever that like, it was just everything we did, we took so seriously. God help this episode. (sighs) Prof G, good friend of the show, said earlier this month I got COVID. Thanks, Joe. And gave me the chance to listen to past episodes. I avoided the Julian Assange episode because of the way corporate media had portrayed him. Yes, I know. I'm not as smart as I think I am. But that episode shook me to the core. It reminded me of the war crimes I read about in Nick Terse's book, Kill Anything That Moves. It's not the first time somebody's recommended that book, and I really need to get that. Thank you for that re-recommendation. Since you're all going on a well-deserved vacation, would you consider repeating that episode or mentioning it in show notes? Assange is back in the news, and we all need to be reminded of what it takes to fight the power. Radio Rahim. Love that reference. D, motherfucker, D. 99. Thank you for the inspiration. I can't quit Amazon yet, but I did make my first purchase in the UNFTR bookshop. Oh, and he purchased the illusion of free markets. Wow. There you go. And I'm going to work to leave Amazon Prime by the end of the year. Thank you for all your great work. Well done. Again, 99. Inspiring actual change. I dig that. In the Assange episode, that, you know, it's sort of an outlier episode for us. And if you haven't listened to it and you have any curiosity, I'm really, really moved that Prof G went back, revisited that, and was willing to challenge his own assumptions and assertions about Assange, uh, as as did I. But many years ago, from a different perspective, just because of, of th- things that we were working on in a prior life, in a in a from a journalistic perspective, and I do think that that story, his story, will continue to resonate over time and be one of the primary examples of empire gone really bad when it comes to whistleblowers and freedom of the press. So take a listen to it if you get a chance. And then our last comment on Substack comes from Ken E, who said, China's zero COVID policy is causing supply chain shortages and thus adding to inflation. Sounds kind of convenient. If I was more conspiracy minded, I'd think that was the plan to destabilize America to castrate the Biden administration in the midterms. 
Yeah, I don't know about the zero COVID policy, but I'm with you, Ken, on being more conspiracy minded because it has more than once crossed my mind that that the that the powers that be on Wall Street, to the extent that they can control, I guess uh, I, I guess I'll say parliamentary intransigence, just bringing everything to a standstill. I I be, you know part of me believes that that they're in on it because because. I know this sounds nuts. But the one thing that Wall Street cannot afford right now is some sort of attempt to roll back the Trump era tax cuts. Now, Biden wasn't really proposing all that much, but the Wall Street got everything it needed in the first few months of the Trump administration. And then from that point on, I believe Wall Street has always rooted for a tie. So the Fed is their spigot and the Fed absolutely wants and and they absolutely want the Fed to keep releasing dollars. In the absence of those quantitative easing dollars, they need to mine returns. They need to mine ROI from a number of places. So, yeah, I mean, the commodities market is, is a convenient place for them to do it right now. I do think that they want inflation to normalize to a certain extent, but they also don't want to see some sort of resurgence of the Democrats to be to be in a position to hold even more power. And I think that this is one of the ways that they uh, they can sort of manipulate things behind the scenes. Is it maybe it's not that purposeful? I don't know, but the effect of it will be essentially the same, whether it's a conspiracy or not, because the Democrats at this level of inflation and gas prices being this high. No matter how horrible the Supreme Court decisions continue to be, even though I think they're coming to a uh, close here, um, none of that social angst will overcome people's anger towards prices at the pump. It just is what it fucking is. It's the economy, stupid. Anyway, now let's get into donations. The people who support the show that make it possible. A blanket thank you to all of you, whether you sent us a little tip at buymeacoffee.com slash UNFTR and bought us a few coffees along the way, whether you became a member and we had a host of new members this week, which I'm really appreciative for. We had a couple people drop out of membership saying their financial circumstances changed, but they'll rejoin us again in the future. Also okay. And we're very grateful for everything that you've given to us to this point. And we'll see you sometime down the road. And we're grateful for all of the people that have purchased our native roasted coffee. So here's the donations. The captain is now a member. Unfucking believable. Max 99. Manny, you are all putting yeoman's work into getting us all together and hopefully unfuck this country. My bandmate put me onto you guys a little over three months ago and I started from the top and I'm still a few episodes away from getting all caught up. Who's yeoman? Do you know what that means? I don't. I'm genuinely asking. Genuinely? Yes. A yeoman's effort, like a like a real working class effort, like putting okay. putting some some elbows like into it. Yahweh. <laughs> not Yahweh. Not what? No. Nope. What, yeoman. What band are you in? Yeah. Let send 99 us a know. link. It's a great idea. If it's if it, if you have some good quality audio, we can even sample it and use it in one of the shows. Fun. Uh, I can't bottle my excitement any longer. Personal favorites were the episodes on Cuba. And the economics of racism, definitely two of my favorites as well. 
I'm excited about how much this show is teaching me and I find myself referencing the lessons learned here as my energy to engage in economic and political discourse has been restored. Oh, that's very cool. Thank you for that. We appreciate that. The captain. And welcome to the fold. They also shared two book recommendations. What do we got? Tim Pat Coogan's History of the IRA and Ooh. Kieran Allen's new book, 32 Counties. Allen discussed why now is the time for United Ireland, British colonialism and its continued effects to the modern day deserve a massive unfucking. Yeah, David McWilliams just did a, I haven't, I have it queued up, but I haven't listened to it about how disastrous the British relationship has been for Ireland and Northern Ireland from an economic and colonial perspective. Interesting stuff. Well, thank you for writing that in. Thanks for those recommendations. Carol J.H. is also now a member. It's about fucking time. I support my favorite fucking podcast. You are all amazing. Your content remains relevant, sometimes overwhelming, always fucking awesome. I listen and sometimes re-listen to absorb the full extent of unfucking in each episode, although I really, really miss the satire that has me F-L-O-F-L. Fucking laughing over Florida latency. I've never heard this one, but I'm going to imagine it's... Flawful. Fucking laughing out fucking loud. Maybe? Fucking laughing out fucking there's, loud. There's rotful, which is rolling on the floor laughing. Right. Carol J.H., by the way, I have, uh, there, there's something wrong with my brain when it comes to acronyms, and I never you know what they just stand for. That brain. Carol's friends with Nettie. I, I was just about to read that 99. Ooh. Proud to say, I came by way of the one, the only, and my friend Nettie. Carol J.H. gets to hang out with Nettie. I'm jealous. Keep on keeping with the unfuckery we all need and deserve. Nettie on the quarter of Outagamey. No, on Appleton, is it? College and Appleton. College and Appleton and Outagamey protesting out there. Boy, I bet she's fucking pissed right now. More pissed than normal. God damn. <laughs> Well, Tony and TN is now a member. Is that Tennessee? I'm guessing or it's, so. Or uh, is it um, Tibetan? Tin, or in the Newark. You know, yeah, TN. Yeah, the Newark. You know, down in the Newark. In the... I'm going to guess it's Tennessee. In the news. Maybe he's in the news. Hey, Tony in the news. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, Tony, I saw you on News 12. You're over there in the news. Hey, yo. Bing bong. Do they have News 12 other places? I think only like Connecticut. Okay, so that's it's fine. fine. <laughs> so Tony said, thank you for the great work. I love the show. I'd love to see an episode focus on the impact of racist dumb fuckery <laughs> that is still prevalent and accepted in many southern states. You're going to get us in trouble, Tony. In my community, Middle Tennessee. <laughs> so it is Tennessee. Why would he get us in trouble? Oh, because people... Because I keep pissing on the South. <laughs> keep fucking with the South. Are you like He's that? Just gonna you like... know the stickers people get of what's-his-face peeing on things? Calvin? Yeah, that's you. Yeah, I have it on the back of my pickup truck. <laughs> With a salt life and a back the blue sticker. Yep. Alex B is now a member. Max and 99 are a joy to listen to. Manny can go fuck himself. Why would they write that? That's so weird. <laughs> Max and 99 are a joy to listen to. Keep up the good work, FMF. Chris B is now a member. I love the pod. It's been an anchor over the past year, helping me to put many of the issues that have frustrated me for years in context and examine my unconscious biases about the world at large. Thank you, 99, Max, and Manny for your hard work and dedication. Holly S. is now a member and said I fucking love you guys. Steve S. is now a member, didn't say a goddamn thing. 
And Maria from Puerto Rico bought us a coffee and said, I love the main unfucking Saturday episodes. I love the show notes. I love the quickies, the topical creams, and listen to every word and enjoy them all and always learn something new. But I am finding that I don't have the time to collect my thoughts and write and react thoughtfully about things I hear in the different episodes. I can't keep up in terms of responding and interacting, except for my moronic comments about mustard and burgers to 99, who, for, who I forgot was vegan. I hope I made up for that with the French sheep, sheep sanctuary. Maria, I can eat burgers. We got we got vegan burgers. We got impossible burgers. Which will make them e- even less edible by sticking they mustard all the over them. They taste the fucking same, and you know that. Please. Have you had one? Yes. You've had an impossible burger? Yes. And you don't like it? It's fine. They taste exactly the same. Do they? Yes. And then you go and ruin whatever you think tastes exactly the same by slathering mustard. My dad eats impossible burgers, and if he eats them, they must be okay. Will Watkins the fourth, hold for it. I am William Wallace. Bought two coffees. Great idea on this stickers 99. Yeah, I got a lot of takers, so I'm going to be running to the post office. Pretty psyched about that. Or I'll be using my stamps.com account. (laughs) They do not sponsor us, (laughs) but I do have it now. This was a, this, this is a lot. Do you have it? Do we have it? Yes. Is it here? Yeah. You're lying. No, I've had it for a couple weeks. I've already used it. Where is it? It's just a scale. Everything's online. That's what I kept trying. Listen, unfuckers. You have the scale? All I wanted was a fucking stamps.com account so I didn't have to go to the post office to send stuff. And and Max wouldn't come with me. He would conveniently nope. have something else to do. So we'd have to go with our business manager, who I love very dearly. Love him to death. However, he is the worst fucking person to go to the post office with because all he'll do is complain and yell at me. We got into like a literal fight in the post office where he's like, you don't need a scale. We're a podcast company. Insert what we actually do there. But I was like, it's fucking, just get it for me. And they thought they were like, well, we got burned once. And I was like, I don't need a whole machine. It's just a scale in an online account. It took me like five fucking months. Where do the stamps come from then? I have a sheet and you put in the printer and it prints out stamps. And it's working? Yes. Well, how come when I came for a stamp last week, well, everybody's I like, have, oh, you got to go to 99 for the stamp. Because well, I have a I, real stamp. It wasn't I a printed I have stamp. regular stamps from before you got me my fucking postage thing. Okay? Like 99 is the keeper of all the stamps now. Well, it's not that. It's that our business manager. Where's the machine? There is no machine. I don't understand. It's a scale. So I weigh something and I type the weight or you, you can Why either... aren't we sponsored then? Because we're not, what, what do we, why do we need to do that? Which one of our listeners needs stamps.com? Podcasts need to market to like their stamps.com markets to like other podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess there, there are other uses. Do you think we'll usages. ever have a sponsor? We, you keep saying that, but we've had people reach out. We just haven't said yes. Not really. They're, they're all like those. Fucking, you know, we'll we'll pay you and fucking lettuce and change and whatever, like you know, X dollars per ten dot, whatever. It's all just. That's how they work, though. No, I, I don't. I don't want one of those. I want a sponsor, like a meaningful sponsor that means something to our audience, where we could be like, now you what buy if, this. What if Heinz came to us? By- what would you do? I don't buy Heinz ketchup. What do you buy, Hunts? No, I buy uh, whatever the fucking uh, or, uh, organic uh, shit is at uh, my little organic supply store thingy. Okay. Tastes very good. All right, sure. It's delicious. Fine, then Goldens can come to us. <laughs> I want a company that makes 
um, pickles and get just like a lifetime supply of pickles. We're not going to barter for pickles if we get a sponsor. We're going to get a real sponsor. Well, they would send us stuff also. And then you know what we you know what we need? What we need a sponsor to uh, send us on the road. I think that's called a tour manager. <laughs> no, we need somebody to underwrite our tour. We need somebody to be like unfogging the Republic tours uh, to with the kickoff at Out of Gaming at uh, McFleshman's Brewery. It's brought to you by Blank. Heinz. Just kidding. I don't want Heinz. <laughs> I would turn that down. I would delete the email before <sighs> Max saw it. Ramona W. I don't care if they gave us $2 million. I would not. Do you delete emails before I see them? No. Oh my God, you do. I don't. You bitch. <laughs> Only sometimes. I can tell you're lying. Only sometimes when spam ones come through and I'm scared you're going to click the link because you're old. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. When they're actually spam emails, sometimes they look real enough, but I'm like, I know this is spam. And I worry that you you're going to click it. You send money to a kidnapped prince once. Mm-hmm. And you're branded for life. It's for your own good. But I wouldn't delete actual unfuckers. If, any, if anything, I dig through the spam and I find people's emails who get lost sometimes. You know, Manny Faces is punching himself in the face right now. Like, oh my God, in all of his faces. What are they doing? Why my job all of my rich friends? I everyone to the bitter end. Nothing turns out. Ramona W. bought five coffees. Y'all are Alternative Radio 2.0. Ham. That's cool. Did you say ham? I said ham. Oh, I thought it was a pun. Jennifer like C. A bought us radio? a coffee. Max and 99, your work, passion, and talent is appreciated. But this coffee goes to Manny Faces. In episode... This is a, this is a great highlight because this, this does show you exactly. I mean, it's small, it's subtle, but it's so important. In episode 62, Amazon part one, Max says, but when Seattle's public officials looked into its number one tenant for support, it was pretty much crickets. Only, quote, crickets was the actual sound of crickets chirping. It has finally dawned on me how deftly Manny uses his skills to create an auditory landscape that perfectly complements Max and 99. I've taken it for granted up until now, and for that I apologize. Manny, much love and admiration to all three of you. Hashtag FMF. Aw, well, now I no longer hate my life. Thank you. Just the tip of the iceberg of the Stop brilliance. Stop saying just the tip. Of the iceberg? I know, but when I, I hear it and then I, my brain you? stops. I think your brain stopped at the show. <laughs> your henna tattoo. Do you remember the time I came back from a different festival and you did not tell me and give me fair warning that we were, were filming videos that day and I couldn't speak? You remember that? It was a long day. Yeah, it was so rude. Thank God I was dressed nicely and I looked cute. But you were like, hey, our video guy's in the office and we're going to record these videos about how great we are and what we do. And I was like, excuse me? I've been away for five days in the sun baking for the fucking Virginia sun. It just shows you on fuckers how I have to just just create the entire world, our whole little universe here around her drug use. (laughs) That, I mean, that is, it's the most millennial thing that I have to do as as a business owner, as a Gen X business owner, is accommodate these millennials to be like, I've been tripping for four days, tripping my face off. So can you just like, you know, push this off a day? Because I'm going to need a mental health day because I've been tripping my face off. 
following wanted with some prior notice. Wait, I have to do actual work today because I've been tripping for the last four days. I put it on the calendar. I think you saw that, right? Fucking bullshit. <laughs> I just want to notice. Antproof case bought three coffees. I had. To, I love when 99 is so spent and she's just weak. <laughs> it's very funny. Antproof case bought three coffees, said I had to buy you Three, a coffee after listening to your last show notes on Amazon part two episode. I literally laughed my ass off. I'm now 50 pounds lighter having a large ass listening to your mustard ketchup wars, the homophobic hobophone, as well as my imagining of 99 as some uber nerd in a magic cape and green glasses kept me chuckling well into the next day. I may be easily entertained, but regardless, I'm glad you guys choose to make your family squabbles over the really important stuff. Always entertaining. Family squabbles. Right, dad? Oh, God. <laughs> Stop calling me dad. I don't like it. I don't, I just don't understand why. It should be a compliment. We have reviews, dear. You'd be lucky to have me as your daughter. Yeah, uh, yeah. Some days. <laughs> uh, okay, Hottie Day said every week, Max 99 and Manny put together a smart, beautifully produced, well researched, and often humorous show on our republic. I listen, I learn, and I'm insanely grateful. Well, thanks for that. Wow. And Woo Library said, Fish fans will love this pod. So will non fish fans. I would give it 10 stars, but not until they bring back the skits. And Corey. Yes. Cory Booker and Rosario Dawson, I, I slacked you, are no longer together. I'm Devastated. Shook. Devastated. I'm shook. Is love even real? I also know that Mrs. Faces better be very careful. Because oh, yes. Manny loves Rosario. Have you ever seen Josie and the Pussycats? I have not. Oh, it's so good. She's in it. You're talking about... So I should clarify. Of course I grew up in the cartoon. No, the movie with, with Rachel Lee Cook and Tara Reid no. and Alan Cummings no. and... I bet it's terrible. What's that woman's name? Hmm. She was in what episode of Parks and Recreation? Oh, now I know. <laughs> She's in it. <laughs> Very helpful. And and Donald Faison's in it and Brecken Meyer. I literally know only Rosario Dawson of everybody you mentioned. You know who Rachel Lee Cook is. I got I got nothing. She's all that. Oh, the dude you mentioned, I I know him. Donald Faison. No. Oh, Alan Cummings. Yeah. And you know who Tara Reid is. I vaguely know Tara. One time Reed. her nipple came out on the red carpet. This one time on the red carpet. She's in American Pie, so. She is. Yeah, she's Kevin's girlfriend. I don't remember who Kevin is. Kevin but. is. It's not Jason Biggs. Who's the guy that fucked the pie? That's Jason Biggs. Okay. It's not. Stifler. It's not Stifler. Shout out to Stifler's mom. Where's Stifler's mom, by That's the way? That's Jen S. Jen S., right? Yes. Jen S. is Stifler's mom. Yes. Where, but she's in Colorado? Is that I what she said? I guess so, yeah. Okay. It's not Chris Klein. He's the one on the lacrosse team. So what? it's the other one. And it's not... Who fucks Stifler's mom? Finch. Finch, not it's Finch. It's not him. It's the other one. He's like the nice guy. He's friends. Oh, she's best friends oh, with Natasha, oh, oh. Le Natasha Leone in this in the movie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 I'm a, I'm an American Pie historian. Yeah, obviously not troubling at all. Um, so let's get into we have Mustard Gate tweets. 
and and emails. This is a follow up to Mustard Gate. This is this is this is the return of the ketchup or the rise of the ketchup fuckers. Yes, the silent the ketchup, ketchup majority. The ketchup Here we go. Strikes back at Travis as a proud ketchup fucker. I can confirm Max is right. From toast to eggs to bacon to obviously burgers and hot dogs, ketchup goes best on just about everything. At Travis, yes. All right, you got one. Roton Rick says, I'm going to dive deep into the Ketchard versus Mustard. Ketchard? That's that's the combination. Ketchard. Oh. Wow. How come people haven't put ketchup and mustard together and marketed it as Ketchard? Do you know why? I bet they- mustard ruins it. I bet they have. Doesn't doesn't Hellman's make like mayo chup, which is like ketchup and mayo in one bottle? Oh. Yeah, they should be arresting them. for you. Um, they, Rotan Rick says, you need both. You need both with mayo on your burger and ketchup on fries. I'm not really into mayo either. That, I th- I feel like that's a very California thing. Mayo on yeah. burgers? Yeah. And and by the way. I don't know. Isn't it on like fast food it. burgers? I'm down with don't it. Don't they put mayo on fast food burgers? Yeah, maybe. I have no idea. But I, I, I unfuckers, clarify. Uh, what part of the country uh, puts mayo on the burger? So remember when I told you a bunch of things that were different in Atlanta from when I was in New York? Well, one of the things they do down here is put mustard on burgers at fast food places like Wendy's. So you have to ask to not put the mustard. I don't mind mustard. I love mustard. I think mustard is the winner. But I don't know if I'm a big fan of surprise mustard. One of our friends dips their fries in in mayo. (laughs) That friend dips everything in mayo. It's weird. I think we're reliant that that's gross, right? Yes. Okay, good. But but if it's called aioli, it's different. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> At Blind Flump said, I love you and FTR pod, but dear God, Max, ketchup on a hot dog? I'm not mad. Oh, no. I'm just disappointed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that gets me to the core. Yeah. Well, Tommy Lee Myers says barbecue sauce has similar ingredients as ketchup. On these grounds, I disagree with the disqualification of a thousand islands. Mustard is good, but since I was a ki- but since I was a kid, I put ketchup on everything. Yes, even knishes. Hashtag stand with Max. Woo! These days, I use salsa in lieu of other sauces. Okay. I, I I'm. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Unfucking royalty is soke said. I am a hashtag ketchup fucker. Max is valid, and I see him. I'm seen. <laughs> this is so great. <laughs> What do the emails say? All right. Well, Asshole said, I just listened to the show where poor Max was eviscerated for his stance on ketchup. As a former Chicagoan, I must go against the mustard grain and stand up for ketchup. Mustard is as disgusting to look at as it is to smell and taste. Ketchup and barbecue sauce are the king of condiments. Agreed. Disagree. Sorry, asshole. Oh, no, you cannot disagree. I mean, this is how the people feel. I told you, you poked the bear. You woke the giant. Also in reference... To the, if someone falls in love with another unfucker, you two would join. That's very sweet. But 99, how would you be the flower girl at your own wedding? Like me, I'm sure there are a huge amount of unfuckers voice personality crushing on you. Oh, see? I think this might be my first marriage proposal. Um, One time someone said I'd be, I'm the type of girl you take home to your parents. So then I give you a what? Oh, at the UNFTR wedding? Yes, I guess so. Cool. Rob N. said, as a native Chicagoan, I have a deep cultural bias for mustard over ketchup. Wait, 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 wait. Go back. Whoa. But asshole said, as a former Chicagoan, Whoa. I must go against, oh, go against the mustard grain. Okay, because, okay, so the Chicagoans have a deep cultural bias this. for mustard over ketchup. I'm driven to say we must end condiment shaming. Rob N. rising above all of no, us. No, I won't, Rob N. Resist the urge to yuck people's yums. I get it. 
and I'm with you with everything else but this one. We will meet you where you are, unless it's on I'm ketchup and mustard. I'm not technically shaming people. I'm shaming the condiment and therefore the people who use said condiment. Well, let, 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 let I me did call you guys uh, Ben Shapiro cavemen or something. Yeah, I don't know. You so, did. All right, fine. I'm sorry. That was a little harsh, but I still I agree with what I okay, said. Okay, you know what? The unfuckers aren't done. Trudy L said, I'm listening to show notes, enjoying the argument about ketchup on my lunch break. Max, this ketchup fucker has your back. Ketchup is the bomb because growing up in out of gamey in the 70s, the only other real option was yellow mustard. Blech. Also, I go squee a little time. I hear out of gamey on the show. Out of gamey, out of gamey, out of gamey. Squee away, Trudy. Thanks for the support. Well, Eric C., this is our last one. He said, this is tangentially, he's tying two things together. You had said Trader Joe's seemed like a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Just want to advise you that they have many, many delicious microwave and freezer, freezer items. Many, many delicious microwave freezer, freeze, oh, fuck me, <laughs> delicious microwave freezer items that you might enjoy, and you can always add ketchup if it needs more flavor. Okay. Read the condiment argument. Can't we all just get along? Nope. Some situations call for mustard or ketchup or barbecue sauce. Don't we have enough room for all condiments under our UNFTR tent? Yes, I mean, yes, in except theory. ketchup. No, stop. In theory, we do. This is, this is like, you know, life or death situation, choose. You can only put either ketchup or mustard. And I'm telling you every single time, it doesn't matter what it is. It's ketchup, right? I didn't it's realize ketchup. that the barbecue sauce constituent was consistent. Jesus. I didn't realize that the barbecue sauce constituency was so different than the ketchup constituency. Yeah. It seems like they're their own, they're their own cohort, you know? All right. Can I add a wrinkle? If you must. Ketchup is greater than mustard. But in Max world, Barbecue sauce actually trumps all. I will dip my fries in barbecue sauce. I will put barbecue sauce on a hot dog, put it on a hamburger. On a hot dog? I put barbecue I put barbecue sauce on chicken, on salmon, um on salmon? everything. I, I have more barbecue sauce. That's like if you were like, I put cocktail sauce on my hot dog. No, it's, it's not. It's disgusting. Stop it. I have more barbecue sauce in my house than any other condiment Ew, by far gross yep 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 it's fine it's that's just now i'm mad that shows you how far down i'm at the max chain mustard you know what i love i mean i don't really eat it anymore because i don't eat weed steak i love a1 i love a1 now as a kid i would put that on everything Besides Frank's, but I love A1. What, like you brought your own when you went to the Sizzler? Like, really? I mean, A1? I didn't go to the Sizzler. No, we would eat steak at home, and I would just, like, fucking use, like, a whole bottle of A1 sauce as a little kid. Like a little kid chugging A1. Wow. Yeah. No wonder you're vegan. <laughs> Jesus. There is actually, there's no, there's nothing meat in it. I could eat it today. In fact, maybe I'll get an Impossible Burger and get some A1 sauce and Yeah, you you know what? You do fuck that. It up. You do that. Yeah. Okay. But mustard, number one still. It's not, obviously. I mean, we, I I won so handily That's today. Here. I won last week. You win this round. I won last round. Best two out of yeah, three. But and Manny's on my side. But like I said, just like, okay, but here, then the elevated level is that your number one is barbecue sauce. My number one is hot sauce. But just, oh, okay. but okay. I'm not, I got mad respect for that. I'm not a like hot ones, hot sauce person. Like I don't actually really like spicy stuff that much. Right. Like I, I, it's just, 
Like, I hate Tabasco because it burns my mouth. Like, it burns my lips. Mm. It's not enjoyable to me. Mm. I don't really like sriracha because I don't like the flavor. Do you watch Hot Ones, by the way? I've seen some of them. I've seen the one with Danny Radcliffe. Why is that so amusing? I don't know. It's the stupidest premise for a show ever, and I I love it. Danny Radcliffe was so cute on his. He's so normal. I love him. But yeah, so I just really like Frank's and Buffalo Sauce. There's a place in Brooklyn. This is Frank's. Yeah, we went over this last week. Frank's Bread Hot. Manny's magnificent. So where's my award for most mesmerizing men? They many faces. Oh, and Dammy's handsome, of course. Penis the size of a horse. Oh, wait, the size of a horse's penis. The size or? of a horse. Am oh, I lying? Okay. Of course. I'm still the boss of the boss. I'm like the awesomest sauce. I'm orgasmic in the course. Yeah, I put the Rick and Rick roll and put the Ross and Rick Ross. I put that hot shit on everything I touch, like Frank's sauce. Frank's Red Hot sauce. I put that on everything. Oh, Red Hot Red. So there's a place in Brooklyn. She gets so mad when she brings up things <laughs> that I don't remember. <laughs> Talked about this. <laughs> well, it's like, do you We've even listen to three me? days of material. There's a place in Brooklyn if you're in New York, and it's called Rollin' Roasters, okay? Or maybe Rollin' Roaster. I don't know if there's an S. And they make the best hot sauce on planet fucking Earth. It's like a buffalo sauce that has garlic in it. It's so I bet there are on fuckers around the country that are willing to fight you over the best hot sauce on earth statement. Okay. Right? All right. I'm not willing to die for that, but it's okay. one of the best ones I've had. By the way, even if it's roaster, it is your New York prerogative. Yeah, rolling roasters. Yeah, over there at the roasters. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so good. And they make like, they have bizarre food. Like they'll have like pizza and they have like, I think hot dogs. They just have, I think they have like shrimp, a weird variety of food. It's like a fast, casual, local staple. One of those places that like, you know, if you moved away from Brooklyn, you still talk about Rollin' Roaster. So we used to make pilgrimage mm-hmm. to Rollin' Roaster okay. every now and again Roasters. when I was a kid to get hot sauce. I got a bottom. Because it got garlic in it. It got garlic in it. It's that shit so got garlic good. in it, yo. Yeah. Damn. But yeah. I'll, I will I will accept a Cholula hot sauce in lieu of a Frank's at a restaurant. Not into Texas Pete, though. Somebody's too, fully awake right smoky. now. It is so funny. She's speaking with her hands. Like, she, she's so animated about this right because now. Because I I need hot sauce on my food. Like, if I go to a restaurant and there's no fucking hot sauce, it makes me livid. Hillary Clinton carries it in her purse. I don't care if a shit what she does. Remember that? Yes, but I don't care because okay. she sucks. All right. She, her emails. But her emails. Her emails. Lock her up. But so when, they, when I go somewhere, I'm just kidding. When I go somewhere... And they don't have, if they just have sriracha, honestly, my day's ruined. That's extreme. I know, but it's like, what am I supposed to do? We're doing this whole show about meeting people where they are. And I just want to point out that, you know, when you draw a line in the sand. I'm not mad at other people for using sriracha. Just say your whole day is ruined. And That's you're, my you're day. And drag that place and be like, no, you know, like, it's just. No, it's a note for me in the future to either mentally because I think you're upset. I think you're upset that the that the ketchup majority is speaking loudly. I'm not. Loudly to you. I'm not. I'm not. And letting (laughs) (laughs) 99 so awake right now. It's great. She's gonna crash so hard. I know. I need a nappy. This morning I could barely see the whites of your eyes. I couldn't keep my eyes open. Yeah. I thought I was going to fall asleep on our call. I was like, uh, I woke up and I was like, what day is it? It was just, I was, yeah, it was a lot. So uh, I think Drugs we are learned a, hell of a, drug. a few things here today. The Ketchup Silent Majority has awakened. They're here for it. They're here for me. I see you and I appreciate you. We had an extraordinary week. 
in the country. And I think we it's safe to say that everything sucks. Especially, so. especially, I said, Ooh. especially ketchup. She's so intolerant. I want to know where, what's the weirdest condiment you use? Like, if your favorite condiment is a weird condiment, tell me. I want to know. Like, if you put relish on, like, your eggs, like, let me know so I can, you know, shit on you. But I'm just curious. Also, 99 is still willing to use her new fandangled machine that she won't show me to send stickers to anybody who wants them so long as you put them over the Biden, I did this. And send us pictures yes. of that. Very, very important. Or a video of you doing it. Is that illegal? Yeah. So don't do that. I'll redact your face. Okay. I'll do a little black bar and I'll change your voice like it's a like a 60 minutes interview and I'll be like, I just I always wanted to change the sticker. And then that'll be that. <laughs> uh it's gonna um so I got a I got a journey ahead of me trying to put 99 back to sleep after she got so animated here. But we'll catch you this weekend on catch Fuckers. Up with you this weekend. See, she's so punch drunk right now. It's great. We'll catch you this weekend. I don't know exactly which show you're gonna get. Some options. Isn't that nice? Got options in front Yo, of us. Yeah, we got some options. Got some options. And if I didn't spend all weekend fucking around, writing for me instead of you. Huffing barbecue sauce. Huffing sauce. Then maybe I would be able to tell you a little more definitively. But either way, you won't be disappointed. And even if he told you now, it would change in three days like it always does. Shut up, 99. <laughs> you shut up. Love you. Love you too. Bye, unfuckers. <laughs>